somebody. Well, last Sunday when I was asked to speak, got in the car with the kids, and I asked the Lord, what would you have me to say to your people? Well, he didn't say anything. <laughs> My grandbaby was so happy that she had gotten some candy that all she could do was just talk, talk, talk. So, of course, can't hear God over a whole lot of other people talking. So on the way home, just driving, still nothing, I dropped them off, and I asked the question again. So, Lord, what would you have me to say to your people? Still nothing. So I had to work that afternoon, went on to work, got home, and I was worn out, got home, you know, got ready for bed, turned the TV on, and um, fell asleep with the TV on. And it was on this show called Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, I watch old shows, because then I don't have to look at the crazy stuff. But uh, went on and fell asleep with it on. And about between 12 and 1, I was, wake, I was woke up. And I heard her say, because, you know, that show was still on. You know, she has a series, so it just goes on to the next one. And I heard her say, not guilty. And I'm saying, okay. Went on back to sleep, didn't think nothing of it. And um, got up the next morning, got ready for work, driving in the car, and I'm still saying the same thing. Lord, what would you have me to say to your people? And he said, I already told you. <laughs> no, when? So um, the radio on, and um, listening to actually Tony Evans was on and he was speaking and he was talking about how families can kind of get all mixed up and things happen in the family when um, we change roles so we got to make sure there's order in the house and he was just talking about how the devil puts the foot in the house when we change up those roles. We're trying to tell the man what to do and we're not chastising the children. So it's all in there. We have got to have the house in order. And I said, okay, listening. So he went on off and then uh, the next speaker was coming on. I was almost at work. And I'm saying, I still have not heard what you want me to say. So the next speaker started saying, not guilty. Oh, okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. But I, I, I'm trying to say, Lord, what do you mean not guilty? What, what is all this about? And he said, tell my people, it's too much judging going on. He said, know this, I'm the final judge. I said, okay, I hear you. So if you will, turn with me to Matthew 7, 1 through 3. And I was, I was going to hold the title for the end because I'm trying to make sure, okay, is this you, Lord? He said, but listen to me. I need my people to know that I'm the final judge. It's, it's me, not you. I said, okay, all right. And then he told me, he said, if you're holding the title, then you don't mean, you don't 
believe that these words came from me. So give my word to my people as I'm giving it to you. So I don't want to be in error. All right, so 7 and 1 through 3 says, Judge not that ye may not be judged. For with judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in your own eye? It's like, okay, okay. You know, he also showed me, he showed me two people in the word uh, that we're going to talk about. And um, he brought to me, he said, you know, during communion, um, and we really shouldn't just wait to communion to examine ourselves. That needs to be something that's continuously going on. You know, but he says um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 28, that if we would, that we needed to examine ourselves. And then in 1, 31, that, um, you know, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So I asked the Lord, you know, kind of clarify what you want me to say. And uh, he said I had, you know, he don't want us assuming that these scriptures mean that we're not going to give an account of our, own, of our actions just because we don't judge someone. Because in Second Corinthians, it says we all are going to give an account in that final day. So we've got to remember that seek the Lord at all times, examine ourselves, you know, before we go trying to judge someone else, you know, because God said, I'm the final judge. I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to do this by you. So he also took me to Luke 14 and 11. I'm going to turn there. Almost there. All right, so Luke 14 and 11 says, For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and whosoever humbled himself shall be exalted. Okay, all right, so what the Lord is trying to tell us is that, you know, in a way, we're going to get what we put out there. Amen. You know, we need to humble ourselves. And the, uh, the Amplified Bible says it this way, for everyone who exalt himself will be humbled before others, but he who habitually humbles himself keeps a realistic view of themselves will be exalted. So if we continually working on ourselves, we don't have time to look at somebody else's log that's in their eye. So work on self. God is good with his word. You know, and then, you know, we heard this last Sunday, but the Lord said that there are some things happening in heaven that carry over onto the earth. So you can't just look at a situation and make a judgment that a person is guilty. Okay, he says, he took me to Job. <laughs> and I thought about that. Job had no clue why he was going through what he was going through. But everyone assumed that he had done something. Yeah. 
against God. They had already judged him, had already, you know, I mean, his wife cursed God and died. No, no. Stay humble. When you're going through, pray. Seek God's face. Let him show you whether it's something that you've done that you need to correct or whether it's something else going on behind the scene. Because God said, I'm the final judge. So sometimes our judgment can be so harsh that it causes a person that's going through to lose hope. And that's one thing that I never want to do is cause someone to lose hope. Never want anyone to see my actions, and I'm saying I'm a Christian, to say, hmm, then it's nothing to serving God. If I'm out there acting all seem unseemly, but I'm telling them that, you know, I serve a, a good God. I serve a God, you know, who loves people who, you know, but what are my actions showing? Okay. But he said, leave the judgment to me. Stop passing judgment on each other. I said, okay. We don't want um, to be the cause of someone leaving the church because we have judged them unrighteously. So leave the judgment to God. And I just, I'm saying, Lord, you having me give a tough word today. But he says, my word. And anytime you bring in my people a word that's from me, it's right. So I have to give it to him that this word is coming from him. It's not me. I can watch all the TV all day long, but if the Lord don't speak something out of it that he wants to share, then it's just television. So then the Lord told me, um, let's look at Jonah. <laughs> and each time he brought me these people, um, you know, I, I had to understand what he was saying. Jonah, you know, he, uh, let's just go there. Jonah um, 1, 1, 2, 3, and then verse 4. Let's see where you at. God is very good with his word. Sometimes it can be harsh, but when it brings about change or when it brings about thought to do something that's pleasing in his sight, it's all right. All right, so Jonah uh, 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Hmm. It came up before God, not us. Amen. Then he says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, how can you flee the Lord? When we're trying to, to run from God, we're not even thinking straight. And then went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, gave up his money, therefore, and went down unto it. Go with them until Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, 
and there was a mighty tempest in the sea. So the ship was like to be broken, and then we'll go on. Then the mariners were afraid and cried unto his God, cast forth wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it from them. So see, when we're, try when we're in error, trying to get away from God, we bring everybody else in the mix too. So it says, but Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was asleep. So while they up there all frantic, the one who know God, he was asleep. But they up there trying to figure out what in the world going on here. All right, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon your God, if it be that God we think upon us, that we may, that we may perish, that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to, the fel to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Okay, God will point you out. All right, then he says, um, then said they unto him, tell us, we pray, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence thou come? What is thy country? They had all kind of questions about what was going on with them because of him. And he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Okay, you fear the Lord, but... You running from him? The God of heaven, which had made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? Even they may not be serving God, but they knew of God. They knew that God was the one that could either deliver them or take them on out. Amen. So God is the final judge. All right, and then he says, um, and he said unto them, and this Jonah, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm for you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is, is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to try and bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was raw. When God wants you, he going to get you. Okay? I mean, yeah, he's a gentleman. He's not going to overtake your will. But when God got work for you, he's coming for you. He's not going to give up on you. So we shouldn't give up on others either. Okay? Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood for thou. O Lord, hast thou done as it pleased thee? So they took Jonah up and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice, they didn't believe in it, but now they do. Okay, because sometimes the things that we do can either bring a person in or it can deter them from wanting to serve God. So we have to be mindful of our actions. 
All right, and it says, uh, and ma they made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, um, the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of that place, Cried I, and thou hearest my voice. God do hear you when you speak. He hear you when you cry out and ask him for help. Amen. But when he needs something for, from you, sometimes he have to put you somewhere where he can get you to himself. Amen. You can't always be in a crowd. Amen. So sometimes when you're going through, it's so God can have that time for you. And I had to realize that too. Um, I had learned that God would speak to me more when I was in my car than when I was in my house. And I was like, this is backwards. My home should be a place of peace and joy and love and where the, the spirit of the Lord is always welcome. But it was like the Lord was not talking while I was in the house. But every time I got in my car and I'm driving and I'm saying, Lord, I got to concentrate while I'm driving. But this is where you're talking to me at. He said, clean up your house. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know, when God tells you to clean up your house, it's time to go through there with some oil. It's time to go through there and pray. It's time to go through there and, and wipe down and cast out. So you have to do what the Lord tells you to do. But sometimes he does put us in a place where he's looking for you to cry out to him and him only. All right, so let's keep going. Then I said, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards the holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed me about, around about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom. Okay, so we can stop there because we know the story of Jonah. We know what happened. But Jonah, when he did go and give the word and the people repented, he was mad. He had already cast judgment on them, wanted to see Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. He, you know, <laughs> destroy them. But that's not our God. And God don't do what we tell him to do. We should be doing what he tell us to do. So again, he says not guilty. I said, okay, Lord, I, I hear you. So when he showed me how sometimes our thoughts really can be way different from the Lord. He wants to see people get saved. But when we have things to happen to us and when they be done did us wrong, we saying, God, kill them. God destroy him. God do this. God do that. But that's not the God we serve. He said, I'm the final judge. So when Jonah got angry, you know, he had a conversation with him. Those are not your people. They're my people. And he had to show him, you know, you take more kindness when 
you know, the, uh, the bug or whatever it was. I'm not going to read the whole story. But he was more uh, upset when the least little thing happened. But you wanted to destroy all those people. So sometimes our thinking can be warped. And God have to get us back on, right tra on the right track. He had a conversation with Jonah. He had a conversation with Job. Had to set both of them straight. You know, because even Job was like, I know I've been doing right, really. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't know what God saw. Yeah, Satan came in. Oh, I bet if you do this to him, he'll curse you. But nevertheless, he didn't curse God, but he wanted to know, why are you doing this to me when I've been doing right? Sometimes God does what he does for other people, because guess what? Those people that were hanging around Job, they heard from God. They heard him when he was saying um, those words that you said, I'm judging you. So they had to repent. Again, we have to be mindful of the people that we hang out with, the people that are in our presence, the people that are in our, our homes that carry spirits. We have to be careful. Those spirits can come in and cause so much havoc in your home, and you not even know why you're going through what you're going through. So be careful. Okay? But the main thing of this story, this word that the, God, that the Lord has, he said, to sum it up, not guilty. We're not anyone's judge. And the Lord has the final say so in any situation. And if we have erred in our own judgment, repent. And that's the word of the Lord. Amen. So much, Minister Boykin. Well, I tell you, it must have been going around today because uh, Bishop told me uh, Sunday, she was like, you, we want you to speak. And I was like, okay. Normally something will pop in my head. Monday came by, I'm like, mm, nothing. Tuesday, nah. Wednesday, I'm like, whew, I ain't got nothing. I told my wife, I was like, man, I'm kind of nervous. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. God ain't gave me nothing yet. But I, I tell you what, uh, Thursday morning, I tell you, I was driving my car, and uh, I was driving, then all of a sudden, I felt my steering wheel shaking. I'm like, wait, that don't feel right. So I pulled over. I got a flat tire. First thing I want to do is sit there and hang my head. Man, my tire flat on my car? Man, how my tire go flat? Man, like, what's going on? I want to get upset. I want to get, and then God just said, you got everything you need. In my car was a jack. It was the lug nut. I know how to change a tire. And not only did I just have a spare tire, I had a full-size spare tire. So I had a whole nother tire. So I'm sitting there getting upset. But God already told me, you got everything you need right there. You just got to go get it. And so what that, what that is, that led me to the word. It talked about how the enemy plays with your mind, how he plays with how you think, how you look at a situation. And so the title is Defeating the, uh, Defeating the Enemy by Transforming and Renewing of Your Mind. Now, and so one of the things we think about that is I was in the military. Um, 
And even now today, one of the things we had what was called psychological warfare. Psychological warfare wasn't made to do physical harm to you. It wasn't made to blow up nothing. It wasn't made to do anything there but to mess with your mind, mess with your morale, mess with the way that you think. And that is one of the reasons why we have to transform and renew our mind. And if you go to Romans 12, 1, we'll see how that Bible even talks about transforming and renewing your mind. When y'all get there, let me say, just say amen. amen. Okay, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And not be conformed to this word, but ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we see there how we talk about how you're going to have to renew your mind to be acceptable and pleasing to God. Also, we are, uh, we'll talk about the power of your thoughts. If you can go into Philippians 4, 8 through 9. When y'all get it, just say amen. All right. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So right there, that's telling you, Think on the good things. Don't think about where even I got caught. I was thinking about my tire, but I didn't think that I had all the tools right there in my trunk. I, I know how to change the tire. I did it plenty of time, but I let the situation overcome when I was already given the tools. And how many times have we done that in life? God has already given you the tools to be successful. He's already given you the word. He's already taught you what you need to know. You just got to get out of that situation, go in your trunk and pull out that and put that on what's trying to attack you, what's trying to slow you down. And another one we have is Proverbs 23.7. When y'all get that, say amen. I'm trying to slow down, y'all. My wife said I'll be going too fast. <laughs> uh, 23, verse 7. All right, so that we're going to read that. It says, For as he thinking in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. So that's just talk about what he think is in his heart. So we're going to talk about how psychological warfare works. So how the enemies try to attack your mind. What's the purpose of the psychological warfare? What's it made to do? And then we also, now I want to just tell you all what this can do to you if I didn't tell you how to beat it. And then we're going to talk about how to overcome psychological warfare. So let's talk about that for it. The definitions of psycho psychological warfare are actions intended to reduce an opponent's morale. And we know, does that not sound like the devil? Because the devil comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, who's going to be happy while they're getting stolen from, getting killed, or destroyed? So that's where he comes to attack your morale, to attack how you feel. Now, there's several tactics they use. They use fear. How many times have you been told you can't do something that's already yours? You can't have something that's already belonged to you. Intimidation, make you think that the enemy bigger than what the God that lives on the inside of you. 
And then we talk about deception. How many times have the enemy deceived you, made you think that you see something that you didn't see, you want something that you really don't need? And then surprise. Now, the enemy's not going to take, he's not going to come attack you while you're in here, while the presence is here, while the spirit's here, while you full on the Holy Ghost. He ain't going to come get you now. He's going to wait till you didn't had a bad day at work, you didn't got into it with your spouse, you, you didn't had a problem with your car, you stressed out of this situation, and you just want to shut everybody down, and you in, in that little dark corner by yourself. Now that's when he comes, hey, how you doing? And that's the tactics of how the enemy's going to play with your mind. And a person, the, the advantage of it is he has to use these tactics because of the guy within us. Because once you realize the authority that you walk in, he can't take you head on. He got to break you down. It's just like if you ever seen the action movies, right, where you have the one person and they're taking on like 30 people. Uh, can anybody tell me what do they do? Anybody? Y'all don't watch action movies? There, there you go. He's going to go. He's going to catch one guy coming around the corner. And then on the movie, you're going to hit it. Ugh! And then you're going to see a guy disappear. And then you go around the next corner. Boom. So now that what that is, is in our mind, that's totally breaking down the layers. Breaking down the layers till you get to the person you really want, what you really want. And for the devil, that's your mind. Because if you think about what your mind do for your body, your mind don't control your eyes, but it interprets what your eyes see. It don't control how you feel, but it interprets how you feel, what you feel, how much pain you're going to, how much, how bad it's going to hurt you. So if the devil get control of how you see, how you feel, how you act, he's really wrecking you. Your body still has free movement, but he's controlling how you see that. If you're not seeing it with the eyes of God, he's already there to beat you in your, in your mind. And it says the purpose is to gain an advantage over points, allowing them to accomplish more without risking the lives of valuable armament. So basically, like you said, he's not even having to lay a finger on you or do anything, and you're already defeated. You're defeating your own self. They, when they, they use psychological warfare, they get into it to a way where they make you beat your own self. You don't know who you are. And it's another conversation, but if you think about the media, think about some of the images you see. You don't see encouraging, uplifting images all the time. You see stuff that's not going to let you realize the power that's in you, or who you are, the knowledge, the intelligence, and that's why you're getting beat in your own mind. And so one of the most powerful aspects of psychological warfare is that of manipulation. The power of psychological warfare is the inability to defend yourself against its effects, which makes it so effective. You're beating yourself, so how you defend yourself against, against you? Because they're got it to, in your mind to where you're attacking yourself. But we're going to talk about some principles to fix it, because we're not doom and gloom here, because we got to serve a good guy. And so we're on the number one thing to do is called replacement. It's seek knowledge. When you seek God, he's going to pull certain thoughts off of you. He's going to pull certain actions off of you. And if you ever heard the idle mind is what? All right, so we all know that. So what we're not going to do is have an idle mind. We're going to get into our word. We're going to listen to that sound cloud. So that empty space where that God, God pool, clubbing, 
fighting, cursing, whatever it is he pulled from you, we want to fill that back up with his word. We want to get into scripture, read what he say, who, how he's the heads not to tell, how he's going to lead us and guide us. So that's the number one principle of defeated is once he emptied those bad things out your cup, fill it up with him. That is the reason why we come here. You hear a bishop say every day... I'm not going to try to say it like Bishop do, but uh, every Sunday she say, y'all better get y'all a King James Bible and start reading that word. But that's the reason why, because that's the enemy is pulling that out. If you don't feel, if you don't fill it up with the word of God, he's going to fill it up with more doubt, more self-attacking, more depression, more what, whatever it is. And so that's why it's important that we have to read. And I'm going to just tell y'all a secret. Sunday ain't enough. I mean, Bishop does an outstanding job, and she teaches you. But now you, what you do in that, you have to work on that. Just like the teachers tell uh, students, you got to work on that kid at home if you want to get that grade up. This 15 minutes I got to teach him ain't going to do nothing. You got to do that. So now you got to go do your homework once you leave here. So as you grow in Christ, the de- it's going to pull the things that the devil put in you. He's going to pull it out. But you got to be the one on your will to fill it up with what God has tell you. And it says once you learn the strength that God has given you, you won't be stopped. So if we go to Hebrews 4.12, and let me know when y'all have that. Okay, Hebrews 4.12 saying, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharpen, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the enemy to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and its discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when you got God for you, you got a weapon that's sharper than any two-edged sword that it just whoosh, cut it down right where it's standing. And uh, another thing, and so if you guys don't believe the same tries this tactic. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm not going to read this, but it's Matthew 4, 11, 1 through 10. If you know that story, that's when Jesus went fast. And Satan didn't attempt him on day one. He didn't attempt him on day two. He would wait until he was to the end. He's weak, probably hungry, stomach, probably talking to him. And then he was like, hey, what's up, Jesus? How you doing? Hey, man, probably licking his finger, too. Just got finished eating. I said, hey, man. Doing all right up there? Hey, man, I, I got a plate for you right now. All you got to do is just do this right here. You want a bag? But if Jesus had not known who he was and had not filled himself up with that word, that food, whatever temptation Satan presented him, it looked pretty good. I mean, when you hungry, tell me it's not good. But when you get full on that word, you're not lacking. You're not lacking what you saw. It's just like... A lot of people, I hear, I've heard this, and a lot of people say, well, when I was like this, you didn't, this one, they wouldn't have did. i tell you, let me talk about me. So I used to have a bad temper growing up, and I was like, man, you would not try me like that if I was back this. But when I was back there, Jesus went in me. And what the enemy did is, yeah, they wouldn't have talked to me that way, but also the enemy didn't show me the trouble I got into, the feeling of depression after I did that, and the loneliness and depression that went through whatever actions I took. So you, when you fill it up with God, he's going to be like, hold up now. Yeah, you're right. 
But remember this, 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 and this. And that's why we need to study. And that's why I say study to show thyself approved. So as you being cleansed and being uh, transformed, you filling it up with good stuff. So as you put empty out your bucket, you're not leaving it open for the devil to come and put stuff back in. It's filled with the word. It's filled with the scripture. It's filled with, the, it's filled with God in you. And we go to Colossians 3.16. And I, I will show you what I'm saying on that, because anything I say, I like to try to back it up with the scripture. Amen. It's going to be Colossians 3.16. All right. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He didn't say I put it on paper in the tablet that I put in the closet. He said it got it deep in the heart. So as, as that God took those things out of your heart, you got to bury the word of God deep in your heart. So once you bury it in there, you fortify yourself against the attacks because things don't look as different. Like think if you think the things that God healed you from, if somebody came and tempted you with that, now that you've been doing that walk, it doesn't have that same effect. But if you hadn't got that piece of God within you, now you still, that might be a temptation. You might be like, man, I don't know. I think... There are some things I did younger that you came at me now. It'd be like, man, whatever, get out of my face with that. But, but that's because that empty void has been filled with the word of God. All right, and the next part is going to be encourage yourself. So when I think about encouraging yourself, it's like, what, you talk to yourself? Um, do I have any, any of the, the young men or young ladies, you do play any sports? Anybody play sports in here? Nobody? All right, Chris, all right. So if you ever watch a football team, before they go, they're going to get out there, they're going to jump, they're going to shake, they're going to get all hyped because they're getting themselves motivated for the battle that's about to happen on the field. So they want to get themselves hyped up, blood flowing. They're getting ready, and that's part of what's encouraging yourself. So I, I, I ask, why do we always get all of these decorations? What's the point? We got about 30 decorations. Why we got to read all these decorations? But the point of it is you speaking that word over your life, and as you speak it, it's getting into your heart. So in the military, we have what's called muscle memory, which was the more times you do it, your body's just naturally going to do it without you thinking about it. So the same with that scripture. The more you feed that scripture in your heart, when somebody attacks you in the area of that scripture that you've already talked about, you're going to naturally say, hey, somebody form up against no weapon form against me. It's your problem. Because that's deep down in your heart. You got it down in your soul. So you got to encourage yourself. Read them declarations because when the enemy try to attack you with that, it's like I'm not worried about that because that's in my heart. You're going to regurgitate without even thinking about it. You're going to act without even thinking about it because that's what's in your heart. So we're going to go to Hebrews 13.5 and let me know when you have that. All right, it said, let your conversation be without covenants and be content with such things as ye have. 
for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I'm going to tell you what that means to me. It made me somebody. I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm not worried about what you got. I'm worried about what I got buried in my heart because I know that my God, if he did it for you, he's going to do it for me. He's going to bless me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. So when I have that buried in my heart and in my mind, I can move boldly because I know what my God got for me. And if he bless you, hey, congratulations, brother. I can't wait for my time to come because I know what my God going to do for me. And then another thing, just and these are just some positive things. I encourage everybody to get you about three scriptures, if not, if not more, at least three that whenever the enemy come against you, you can just say them just like that, no matter what, no matter what. I'll tell you one of the things Bishop told, and this is part of that getting it in. She said when the enemy comes, just say ha, ha, ha. That's just like taking a deep breath. And that stuck with me because it's sometimes you get so mad but when you force on that anger, you're allowing the enemy in. But when, you, when the enemy try to attack you, you just like, ha, ha, ha. And then it's like, that give you a second. You can step back. Be like, oh, oh, okay. I see what he's trying to do. Let me get this two-edged sword that God has given me. And let me stand up and fight this battle. But 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is one that I like to use, it says, God is able to make grace abound towards you, that ye always have sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So he says, you have an all, all sufficiency in all things. That means that I'm always getting enough in everything I'm doing. I'm never as I came. I'm never lacking because it says right now I have all sufficiency in all things, and he's going to abound to every good work. So when you know where you are, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know where you stand, how are you going to let someone take that from you? Now, if you don't know who you are, then, yeah, anybody can push you around. If you're not confident about who you are, then, yes, you're going to be bullied around by your thoughts. You're going to be bullied around by the devil. But when you get that word in your heart, the, the enemy's not going to be able to do anything with you. He's going to be like, oh, it. it you, he just can't. I'm sorry. I just got a little choked up there. But when you have, when you have, the word of God in you, you know who you are as a person. For example, when I used to run track, I knew I was fast. And I wasn't going to let somebody that couldn't beat me come and tell me, hey, I'm going to outrun you. I'd be like, really? You, you want to go? <laughs> you want to go? But when you have that word of God in you and you know when Satan come and attack you, like, really? You want to try this? You, you really want it? Let's go. And that's, what, that's why it's important that we get that word in us and that we encourage ourselves daily. That's why it's so important that when we read those scriptures, when we say those confessions, you just say, even if you don't feel like it, because early in the morning before my coffee is rough, but I, I work through it. And the more you say it, the more you're going to internalize it, the more you're going to repeat it, the more you're going to get that muscle memory. So when the situations come, you're not even going to think about what to say. The words just going to flow out of your mouth and without even thinking about it. And next is, it's called reframe. Oh, I'm sorry. Next, we got to trust. Now, you know what God can do. You see what he can do. Now you just got to trust that he's going to show up, that he's going to show up and show out in your situation. And when I think about this, I think about Apostle Paul. 
Apostle Paul was arrested. He was put in jail and he was separated from isolated from all the other prisons and chained to another guy, the, another guard. Now, in that situation, he could have easily hit his head down like, man, why are they picking on me? Why I got to be over here? But what Apostle Paul, he had studied his word. He had encouraged himself. So he knew what his God can do, and he trusted him. And what he said is, okay. You want to chain yourself with me? Come here. Well, since you're here, let me tell you about my guy. Let me continue to preach to you about my word, God. Like, no, nah, you stuck here. No, nah, don't go nowhere. Don't run. You're going to listen to this word today. And then not only did he take that as one person, he took it at bonus. Like, what time your shift over with? Come on, bring that next guy. He's going to get some of this word too. But that's when you have that God in you and you trust in God, you can boldly speak on his proclamation because you know he's not going to let you down. When you trust somebody to be there, you know they're not going to let you down. If I know that, hey, every time I call this person, they always come through for me. What you going to do? Call them. Are you going to be like, man, I don't know if they're going to show up. I, I think they might, but. And now on the converse, we do have those people that we call you like, I better call, let me call them back because I don't know where they at yet. But we don't want to have that trust in God. We want that full trust in God that when we call it, it's set in and forget it. I gave it to God. He told me he's going to take care of it. He's going to show up and show out. All I got to do is just sit and wait. Let me get my bags ready because I'm ready to move forward in what God has for me. And the last, the last thing that I have, wait, let me make sure. Okay, the last thing I have is rejoice. Rejoice in your situation. You don't have to wait for the victory to rejoice. Rejoice while you're going through it. Think about in a boxing match if a puncher's getting hit, and then you just, bam, I just hit him with a haymaker. He should be on the ground, and he look up, and that guy going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. What's going on? And that's the same way with the enemy is when he tries to attack you, when he thinks he has you, when he uses your family against you, when he uses your job against you, your finances, your health against you, and you just sit there and say, Lord, I thank you, I thank you, God, you're going to show up and show up. He's like, wait a minute, I don't know what I can do in this situation because he's supposed to be down. I done attacked his mind, I done attacked his health. Wait, I can use every card I got, but he's still praising God. What I got to do to break him? And even though you may not feel like that act of obedience, God is going to be, I, I see you, look at you. Be like, look at him, he's showing up now. And then he's going to come in, he gonna, don't even worry about it, he's going to be like, have a seat, I got you. And one of the things I think about the song, uh, Marvin Sapp praise him in advance. And I, I, I debated whether I was going to use this or not, but I was getting ready this morning and it came on the radio and I just laughed. But it had a verse that said, I had my share of ups and downs, times when there was no one around. God came and spoke these words to me, praise will confuse the enemy. And once you know that, he said, I started singing, I started clapping, I started dancing. He said people were laughing. They were laughing. I'm like, man, there's something wrong with him. People were laughing because they knew my problems. Uh, they knew my pain, but he knew that God would take them away. So when you have that trust, you have that boldness that you can just cheer and rejoice to God because you already know it's all good. It is already taken care of. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. God has that taken care of. And there is no better story than this if you go to Acts 16, 16 through 34. I'm not going to read it. If you want to, uh, I would recommend you read it. 
but it talks about Paul and Silas when they were thrown in the jail cell. If you look at, I do want to read uh, Acts 16, 22 to 24, because I want to show you, even though they were shown, thrown in jail, they weren't just in there and isolated. I want you to say what, how they were treated, what was done to them, but I want you to also know that they kept their head up. They kept praising God. They kept worshiping God until the whole jail cell here. So if we can, let's go to Acts 16, 22 to 24. Uh, excuse me, All right, and verse 22 says, And a multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into, they cast, I'm sorry, cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So now, as you see there, they, they didn't just put them in jail. They ripped their clothes off. They beat them. They had them bloody. And when, when he said, like, okay, they didn't got beat enough, go ahead and throw them in there now. But if you continue to read in the verse, it'll tell you that they continue to praise God. They continue to worship God. They continue to worship on God. And then the earthquake came and opened every jail cell. But God told them, be still. God told them, don't move. And then it came to the point, and we all know that God will make the enemies our stool. So the same God that ordered them to get clothes ripped off, to get beat, to get thrown in the jail, he was by, he was like, oh man, whoo, he was stressing because he didn't have that peace. He didn't put that word in his heart. He didn't know who Jesus was, but he going to learn today. <laughs> but and when he got him in there, they, uh, they did all of this and the guy was about to kill himself. And they yelled out, do no harm to yourself for we're all still here. So, well, they used that moment to try to destroy Paul and Silas. They tried to tear them down they physically abused them they turned that and they're trusting in God and they want a soul that guy was like wait a minute I want to know who your God is and I will tell you we live our life when we win that mind warfare we men win souls for Christ I, I would tell you the story of how I first got saved it wasn't by listening to sermons it wasn't by what nobody told me it was by something I, I tell you guys I had my uncle and uh Back when I was younger, I had a temper out this world. You look at me wrong, we were fighting. And, but I didn't like living that way. It's how I was, but it wasn't how I wanted to be. I wasn't happy. Um, and then I remember one day we were kids, we were playing around. My uncle had got a bare, brand new air hockey. It was like one of his childhood dreams. He wanted one. And, you know, we were probably like six or seven. We were playing around, running, jumping. And then all of a sudden I fell 
dead in the center of his table and broke it. And this guy was like, my uncle was like 6'3", pretty big guy. So I'm like scared. I'm like, uh, I don't want to tell him about this. And then he looked at me and he said, it's all good. And, I, and like I say, I, I, like, like how the enemy do when you rejoice, I was confused. I was like, what you mean it's all good? Uh, wait a minute, how long you wanted that table and I just broke it and it's all good? And he was like, it's all good. And so what happened is two days later after that, I went to him. I said, hey, excuse me, sir, sir, aunt, what, how, you, how you do that? He was like, what you talking about? How do you have that peace in you that I destroyed what you waited over 20 years for? And the only thing you had to say to me was, it's we okay? I want that peace. I want what you have in your life. And he said it's through Jesus. And from that day, he led me through the prayer of salvation. And that's when we win that warfare, that's how we defeat the enemy. Because when they try that attack, when we renew our mind, and when we talk about renewing our mind, that's basically rebuilding and transforming so as we talked about emptying out the cup and then filling it with the scripture and we talked about the encouraging ourselves and rejoicing in the storm that's how we transform it how we think we're learning a new habit for christ so where like when you really transform when my tire when my tire broke i went fat the first thing i started thinking now is Hey, thank God, everything I need is right in the trunk. And thank God, when I feel lacking, I can say, thank God, everything I need, thank you for showing me that. And that's, we, that's why we want to build ourselves up. We want to transform and renew our mind daily because none of us perfect. perfect. We're not going to get it all out on the first time. We might get 20% this time. Then we have to come and renew our mind again. Then we might get a little 10% more. But as we continue to trust God, to transform and renew our mind, we're getting closer to him to be that example of him that will get through the people that win the souls for Christ so we can build this army for, a Lord, for the Lord and be a force within this world. So that is all that I have, and thank you. <laughs>